0: hey everyone welcome back to the hill homes podcast we got a great episode ready for you guys uh, we're continuing from last week's on how to evaluate a deal so stay tuned That we are getting into this whole topic of evaluating a deal, and um, last week's episode, if you uh, caught that one, we talked about specifically single-family homes. Now today we're going to continue that conversation, but we're going to get into how to evaluate multifamily deals and apartments. Now this is something in the wholesale real estate world that uh, um, you know it's not. It's not talked a lot about because most people get into the uh, into the market doing single family homes um, so there's not a lot of expertise out there uh, on this particular topic and because of that we have our very first guest which is Hernando one of our own our very own Hillco teammates um, Hernando you want to jump in on here
1: and tell us a little bit about yourself yes thank you Mike and my name is Hernando Arce. I'm an acquisition partner here at Hilco Homes. I'm excited to be here today and thank you for the invitation. Uh, I've been doing real estate, uh, traditional real estate for over 23 years. I started out in New York City and I did, I did very well there. I moved to Texas, San Antonio about four years ago and uh, got to learn the, the area, the, the demographics and finally made my move to downtown area where we are headquartered here at Hilco Homes.
0: Awesome. So. When, when it comes to multifamily deals, can you give us a little bit of, a, of an idea of uh, how long you've been doing that and uh, why you like multifamily deals and how that complements doing single-family?
1: Like you mentioned earlier before in the introduction, your bread and butter in this business is single-family dwellings, one-family houses, and uh, that's probably 80 to 90% of your inventory sales are gonna be that type of uh, sales. Uh, multi-family starts at, at a duplex. Now for some of y'all listening on the east coast, when, we, when I say duplex, they automatically think a two-story home, single-family home. But here in, in the west part of the states, uh, duplex, a duplex means basically a two-unit building where you have two separate apartments and two separate meters. So a multifamily starts at a duplex, goes all the way up to a threeplex, which is a three-unit, a fourplex, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, However, once you pass a five-unit building, it goes into the realm of commercial transaction, and that's where it starts to get fun. Yeah, yeah, and
0: we're we're going to jump into that um, after we talk about the multifamily. Now, reviewing what we talked about from last week's episode, we, we discussed the uh, you know, quote-unquote magic formula of evaluating a wholesale deal, where we talked about getting uh, the after repair value and then looking at 70 to 75 percent of that, subtract out the rehab expenses, uh, any fees or costs, your uh, assignment fee, all of that to figure out if the deal is going to work or not. So that's just a really quick basic recap on, on last week's episode. Um, Hernando, tell us a little bit about how um, that formula, do we still use that same formula when looking at something like a duplex or a triplex?
1: You, you, it has the same concept in that you want to know what the First off, what is the ARV of that of that multifamily property is after value after repair value ARV, and then you want to of course decide okay how much repair those those units need to get it up to fair market uh, rentals Uh, because you want to maximize the potential rents of these units and and reposition them for top dollar rents, and of course at the end then you wanna. at that point then you have an idea of where you need to be in terms of what you want to offer the owner or the seller of the property. So the concept is the same, once you go into passing, uh, once you pass five units, it goes into a different type of formula that we use to evaluate price.
0: Okay, so when we're looking at the estimated repair costs, and I say estimated because in, in the wholesale real estate game. Um, you want to have a range, kind of like what we talked about in last week's episode. Now, when looking at uh, estimating the repair costs, what's the approach? Let's say you have a duplex and one unit is vacant and the other is not, but you know for sure that both are going to need some amount of repair. Is it fair and safe to assume that whatever the repair costs are for the vacant is going to be the same for the other? Or how do you approach that assuming that uh, you can't get in to look at the other unit or maybe the duplex is occupied and you just can't see it uh what what are your approaches and your in your thought process in that
1: you know just like the uh, single family homes you can tell a lot from the outside of a property same thing where, where you're looking at a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex you know if you look if you see how old the building is if it's a newer construction if its older construction but the exterior would tell you a lot on what the inside may look like Uh, There are exceptions, especially with uh, some sellers that don't like their exteriors to be really uh, mint out because they want to get lowered taxes on their, (laughs) on their city assessment of the value. So there are investors that, that do that, which is pretty clever. Uh, But yeah, in terms of figuring out, okay, how much repair a unit may need, uh, there are certain, certain different formulas. Uh, First off, let me backtrack. uh, A lot of investors, when they're looking at a two or three unit, they price it per door meaning they'll give you a dollar amount per unit. We call it doors for a unit. Uh, for a one bedroom, uh, one bath, you know, typically 600, 500 square feet, you're looking at 15, 20, maybe 25,000 per door. For a two bedroom thirty to thirty five thousand a door. So that's a real quick formula to figure out if you're you know on the phone with a salary, so oh, what you got what's your offer and pressure pressuring you and you don't have all the documents in front of you in terms of the numbers, just offer him a dollar per door. Uh but if you're not if you have time and you can do your research, what I like to use is a is dollar per square foot. I'm comfortable with using twenty five dollars a square foot to decide on what is gonna cost to totally rehab the unit uh from from you know, from, from framing all the way up to um, minting it out. Of course, you don't really put granite countertops on, on, a, on a rental unit. You go with the Formica, if that's what the comps show.
0: OK, so you said something really interesting right there, um, that you use a, uh, a formula at $25 a square foot. In last week's episode, Alex talked a little bit about uh, using a similar formula where uh, that number would range between $17 to $20 a square foot. and um, uh, But for multifamily, I'm assuming that that number is a little higher because you have to account for multiple units. Um, but where does that number come from? Is it kind of just like an industry standard, or is that more for the market area, like specific here to San Antonio?
1: It's a standard approach that a lot of investors take when they're calculating Multiple, multiple units, uh, 20, $25 a square foot is, is pretty much the comfort zone because you want to leave for uh, surprises that always come up on a renovation. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty standard.
0: One thing that we talked about in last week's episode was doing walkthroughs, uh, mostly to validate or verify the renovation expenses or potential renovation expenses. Um, you know, One of the things that Alex talked about was, Um, You can look at a property all day long and yes, you get a lot of information from the outside, just like you were saying, Um, but it always helps to be able to actually get into the property and look at it because from a a negotiation and leveraging standpoint, you want to go in assuming worst case scenario, everything needs to be done or redone rather um, but if you can go in there and find out that the renovation expenses, instead of being sixty thousand, are actually forty thousand, um, like that's that's a, uh, makes it a better deal um, in terms of negotiation and leverage standpoint. When it comes to multifamily, is that as important to go actually see the property, uh, go through a unit or two? Uh, is that even applicable for you know a duplex, triplex, fourplex?
1: When you're out there looking at these multifamily homes. What you're going to notice is a lot of uh, real estate brokers, if it's on MLS, uh, and a lot of wholesalers, if they're marketing a a multi-family home, will have a clause stating on their advertisement that you do not get to see all the units, which is not very uncommon, you see that a lot, or maybe it'll show you can only see one unit, and the other units you will see, you will do your inspection, of course there will be a provision on your contract that states this, that you will only be able to view the other units once you've signed a contract and have earnest money on the table. So uh, if you see that, don't be afraid or, or, or see that as, as a deal breaker. It's very common in the industry that they have this clause. It's to protect the, uh, not much to protect, but it's to accommodate the tenants. The tenants don't wanna be bothered every day with showings. And then what happens is they get upset and then the sellers um, and the landlord, the seller is the landlord, uh, has to take care of that issue with the tenant. So, t- to accommodate them, and sometimes you know they may not pay the rent because now they know the building is being sold. So there are a lot of loose variables when you're dealing with tenants. You have to be very cooperative. You cannot ever lose your tempo when you're face to face with a tenant. You'll have to, you'll have errors. You'll have temptations where you want to, you know, talk to him and say you're just a tenant. You have nothing to do with this deal. But Believe me, if you start getting on the wrong foot with a tenant, they can they can sabotage your deal.
0: I'm glad you're bringing up the topic of having a tenant uh, in the in the conversation because um, that gets me to the the next bu- uh, bullet point here of uh, when looking at comparable values, how do you factor in uh, the rents? Like if it's currently occupied, if you know one unit's vacant, the other is rented. Um, You know, whether or not it's cash flowing. How do you factor that in when looking at comparable sales to uh, determine ARV?
1: Okay, so there'll be circumstances where you'll be looking at a property and it's what we call not performing or performing. Obviously, a property that's performing is where you have, you know, the majority of the the, uh, units rented out. In this business of multifamily, especially when you're going up to the, the multi, multi, what, 15, 20, 30, 40 units, you're not going to always have 100% occupancy. That's common. That's that's life. That's reality. So uh, now in the, in the other side of the spectrum, if you have uh, like what, what we're doing with Alex, he's, he's working on selling a property that's 17, 16 units, excuse me, down here in South San Antonio. And guess what? They're all vacant and they, they all have major repairs to be done. So there's a there's a property that's not performing at all, and so with that, you have to make an adjustment on price, obviously, uh, for something like that. Uh, and that all depends on how many units are not performing, but yes, an investor would want a discount on the sale price if a property is not performing.
0: For our listeners out there, Alex is still with us. He's, you know, we have... Hernando in the room and so Hernando as our guest is, is answering a lot of these questions, but I want to hear from both Alex and Hernando so that you, our listeners, can can also get the two different perspectives. But let's talk about um, what your criteria are for determining to if you decide to move forward or not with a multifamily deal. So Alex you go first.
2: You know, I don't I don't I don't really have any big criteria on picking multifamilies. I, I do them all. You know, I I research them all. I do my due diligence on all of them. And if the price is just right, really, that's what it really comes down to. Um, you know, the reasons why there's a lot of multifamilies out there that are selling and been on the been on the market for so long is just price, you know. And uh when it comes down to it, when you're picking and choosing a multifamily you need to make sure that the numbers work, you know, because, you, you know, dealing with families, you're dealing in the hundreds of thousands, you know, and then you got that, how do you say, you got that responsibility of bringing that money to that seller, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's not a little money, that's, that's big money you're playing with, you know, so you got to make sure and do your due diligence on your numbers to make sure that's going to work for you and the seller of course but I mean it needs to make sense on the both ends so when I pick and choose these properties um, I just go based off of how motivated the seller is how bad the the property is and if the numbers just work for me I really don't have no specific criteria really it's just okay
0: and Hernando what about you is there a uh, specific criteria or set of guidelines that you use to determine whether you're going to move forward or not with a right. deal.
1: We get the phone call coming into Hilco Homes, and we get uh, multiple calls from from multifamily properties. Now, when I say we're not talking about commercial buildings, industrial buildings, we're not talking about uh, warehouses. We're talking multifamilies here. Uh, quickly, I, w- I would analyze the, what, how many units? Okay, so you have a tu- a duplex you want to sell, Mr. Seller, fine. I pull up the BCAT, I find out what the square footage is, because you can have a four-unit building for sale and it's a thousand square feet, hello, that's like, you know, 200 square feet per unit, you know, you got got to look at the whole picture, it's just not, okay, four, you have four-unit buildings, oh man, you're going to get a lot of money, no. You got to look at all these (laughs) scenarios, you got to look at the taxes, you got to look at the square footage, you got to look at the location. Because there are certain if the, if, the, if you have a duplex in Alamo Heights, which is the higher end of San Antonio, you're going to get a lot more money than a duplex on the south side or the west side of San Antonio, correct? Because the rent roll is higher, right. so it's not a cut and it's not a cut and dry paper uh, paper cutter valuation. So you really want to do your due diligence. You want to do your research. Um, you know. Typically we get the working class neighborhood duplex. I go by doors. Okay, so you have a, a duplex. Each one is a one bedroom, one bath. 600 square feet, give or take. Uh, separate meters is important. Uh, and just without even going inside, I'll make them an offer. I'll make them offer for you know, 55 to $60,000. Know, you never give them an exact amount. You haven't seen a house yet. So that's how you would analyze it on the phone. And the same thing for a uh, uh, four-plex
0: or three-plex. Awesome, well, thanks. thank you guys for both for the input. I, I hope we're providing a, uh, a lot of value to the listeners. And again, guys, I wanna stress to you that if you like what you're hearing, let us know. If you have questions, if you have a topic you want us to talk about, reach out to us on our Facebook page, send us a message, uh, comment on the page, uh, let us know what you wanna hear from us. You know, we're, we're here to help you guys Uh, we want to make sure you succeed if you have a deal that you need help with let us know we're happy to help and you know we're we're here to figure out how to make everything a win-win situation Uh, whether you're a wholesaler you're a seller you're a buyer uh, let's figure out how to work together now going into the next segment of this show we're going to talk about apartments now Hilco homes right now is poised to be one of the bigger wholesalers of apartment deals in the country. We're ramping up our our processes and our systems to be ha- able to handle more apartment deals and we want to talk a little bit about how to evaluate an apartment deal. Now one thing I want to point out before we get into this is that looking at an apartment deal is quite a bit different than looking at a multi-family or a single-family home. Yes, it is still real estate but it's real estate on such a large scale that you're actually having to evaluate it as you would a business. It is both a business and a piece of real estate so the way you evaluate that is going to is going to uh, have a different set of criteria. Let's get into this. Um, Hernando, what are the kind of numbers that, that we look for when we pick apart uh, an apartment deal
1: all right well this gets into the fun part of, of, of selling multifamilies cuz uh, I actually enjoy this type of market why because when you're dealing with single-family home and you're, you're with the homeowner it's all about oh look at the kitchen and I updated it with these flower tiles <laughs> and, and bathroom and this and that and it's all very personal you know with a lot right. of sellers and a lot of buyers you know in, the, in a single-family dwelling um, but when you when you're talking multifamily homes and we're talking you know 6 and up 15 20 30 units it's all about it's all about the numbers you know mm-hmm. your net profit your 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 documents um, so when i evaluate a multifamily home i i need to see documentation i need to see what how is it performing so i can calculate the capitalization rate as we call it in in the business cap rate and so that's that's really where you need to focus your attention on when you're on the phone or you're dealing with a seller who has multiple units. Uh, you want to start getting all the documents, and they usually have the documents. We just got to put the pieces together and to come up with the cap rate. A lot of sellers don't even know what a cap rate is. So heads up with that. You got. A lot. It's true. You have, you're dealing with a lot of mom-and-pop owners who's owned these buildings for 20, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. They haven't really fixed up the units. Uh, it's, it's lacking uh, renovations, and it, it has so much potential to reposition, and that's a word I like to use, is reposition uh, the properties into maximizing your rent that you can really, really uh, make out like a bandit. If you could find a property, and they're out there, they're all over the place. Alex was out there on the south side of San Antonio, picking up addresses in a certain neighborhood. I'm not gonna say where, where you had multiple, multiple properties that were, uh, but where the conditions were distressed, Uh, and so. And that's saying it lightly. Yeah, Yeah, that's saying lightly exactly. So yeah, uh, we'll go into the how the the formula of a capitalization rate when you're ready, but sure. Yeah, let's
0: let's go ahead and talk about. Alex, you got something?
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I actually would just want to, um, you know, point out some stuff. Yeah. So I wanted just to add a couple of things to what Hernando was saying. Um, so when he was mentioning documents earlier, uh, those documents are rent rolls, financial statements, expenses, whatever the seller has to spend. On uh, maintaining the apartment complex, and also any financial statements that shows money coming in. These are all documents that you want to ask. You'll be real surprised. I'll, I'll get some people tell me, "Oh, yeah, you know, it's making this much money." Yeah, but it's also losing all this money t- just to maintain that property. Also, some of these sellers, these mom and pop sellers who own these, uh, you know, these 18, even 25 units, sometimes. You know, they don't, some of them, you'll be surprised, some of them don't even understand what the cap rate is, and they'll tell you how much your property is worth. You know, you got to explain to these sellers sometimes, like, like, it doesn't matter how much you think is worth, what matters to investors is what the return on their money is going to be. You you, you'll be getting some of these, you know, sellers that don't even understand what a cap rate is, which is why it's not performing. (laughs) So... Just keep in mind it.
0: Alex, you, you put a lot, of, uh, a lot of information in that uh, little statement right there. Um, and let's, let's go ahead and uh, pick it apart and go piece by piece so we can help uh, the audience uh, get a better handle of what, what we're talking about. And for those of you that are doing this and you're experienced in this, this is probably going to be a very basic segment of the episode for you. Uh, so that's perfectly fine. You know, we, we definitely want to hear from you as well. And we'd like to uh, know uh, what kind of content you'd like to hear from us. I mean, obviously this particular uh, segment of the episode is geared towards um, uh, wholesalers and businesses and real estate who are just getting into this part of the uh, the business aspect. But going back to, um, what Alex and, and Hernando were just talking about. Let's. I want to address the first aspect to understanding the cap rate. Um, like I said, going into talking about the apartments, you're not just looking at a piece of real estate because yes, that's what it is ultimately. It's a, a place for people to live, right? It's a physical piece of property um, that they are paying you to to, to let them stay there. Um, but you have so many. Uh, units that people are living in that uh, you have a inherent cost associated with maintaining and keeping that property in such a condition that people want to continue staying there. So it is a business, and you have to treat it as a business. Uh, and you know the first episode that uh, that Alex and I made, I, t- I talked a little bit about my background. Uh, I am an investor myself. Uh, up until about three, four years ago, um, all of my invest- investments were in paper assets and other businesses. So I actually enjoy, I, for me, it's fun to evaluate a business and buy an equity stake or just completely buy the business as a whole and either keep it for cash flow, sell it later for you know that, that difference and in, in, in what it's worth but it's essentially the same thing in looking at apartment deals. You're buying a business that is backed by its own real estate. So what you want to look at is how much is this business making for the owner and how much does it cost to make that income? So that statement right there, let's break that down. What it, what you're making is your gross income. So that's everything that comes in from all rents. What it costs, to keep that gross income coming in, are your total expenses, and that includes you know the rehab, the insurance, uh, you know any. Uh, if you're if you're covering like a you know cable as a, or the utilities as part of the uh, the deal for people to come rent, um, that's going to be part of your overhead. Um, you you if it's a, a large enough complex, then you're going to need staffing. For a front office, for people to you know uh, make their uh, rent payments to, you're probably going to have someone at, uh, to manage the property as well. Uh, so there's a lot that go, that gets involved in the expenses, and that's why Alex is saying uh, you want to get that documentation to show what those expenses are, because you know you can you can have a seller claim that they have let's say 20 units and 15 of them are performing when you're buying a business you need proof and you want to make sure that what you're buying is really what you're buying the difference between the gross and after all of your expenses is what's called the net operating income now why that's important that is one of the essential ingredients in determining the cap rate. In fact, Alex uh, brought an example with him to go over how uh, what the documentation shows and how we use that.
2: Yes, sir. Okay, so um, I just want to quickly give you an example of how to determine a cap rate. So I have a six unit right now. Let's just say that the six unit is monthly is bringing in 3,800. 3,800 times 12 the yearly gross is forty-five thousand six hundred. Okay, so the expenses are six thousand six hundred. So that's thirty-eight thousand. So if, and the thirty-eight thousand is what you, it's called. It's what's called the net. Okay, so you do the thirty-eight thousand, which is the net. What it what the six unit brings in after expenses in your pocket. And then you divide that by the asking price. So if it's uh thirty-eight thousand a year in net and they're asking two hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Hernando, do you know what that is?
1: Forty-five thousand minus the expense. Now be careful guys because this is where it gets a little tricky. When you're minusing out expenses, you do not repeat this, you do not include uh mortgage payments. Okay? If there's a property and you have a mortgage on it, you do not deduct the mortgage off those as an expense, and you do not deduct depreciation either as an expense. Those two variables are never, ever included in, in calculating a cap rate. So it's strictly expenses, insurance, taxes, water, cable bill, maintenance, staffing, etc., etc. So, to get back to Alex's equation, if your net is 38000 and the seller is asking how much? The seller
2: is asking two hundred eighty
1: thousand. So you take thirty-eight thousand divided by the sale price, which is two eighty. Yep,
2: Two hundred eighty k.
1: Okay. So you have three thirty-eight thousand on top. for mm-hmm. Us old schoolers divided by two eighty, <laughs> and you, and that, that would equal thirteen point five percent capitalization rate. No, uh,
2: oh, I'm sorry. So for it being a thirteen point eight. That's ideal to what investors want. In wouldn't you? in Texas. In Texas, Every yeah. Every
1: region is different in the country, mm-hmm. right? You yep. go to New York, you go to right. California. It's seven percent, eight percent. They're like jumping for joy. <laughs> <If> investors <laughs> out there, it's, it's, a, it, it's at a seven eight percent cap rate, right? And that,
0: That's also part of uh, understanding your market and doing your due diligence. Like if you're if you're going to the to the East Coast or the Northeast and you're looking for 13, 14, 15% cap rate, um, you're not gonna find a lot of deals if, if you find any deals. Um, so you know, understanding where your your market is, um, again, that goes to like understanding your comparable sales values because um, that's gonna determine uh, the similarities between deals in that specific area. Now, you guys touched on something um, that's gonna be uh, leading into the next part of the conversation, which is, sales price versus comparable sales price. So there's actually two different sales prices that you can use for uh, leveraging out a deal and determining uh, how good an apartment deal is gonna be. Uh, The first one is the comparable sales price. So when you're first doing your due diligence on an apartment deal, you wanna look around the area and see what other similar uh, apartments either sold for are selling for and what their rents are. And that would mean looking at uh, things like the year it was built, the number of units, how many of them are being rented, uh, the size of the units, things like that. And that gives you a good ballpark figure for uh, determining uh, what that apartment building could be worth on the retail market. Now we're in the wholesale business, so we don't really deal with the retail market. What we deal with is the sale price to the buyer and that sale price is always gonna be much lower than the retail uh, uh, comparable sales value. Now to make the analogy between what you do in single-family homes and with apartment deals, this is almost the exact same thing as determining ARV and your equity position. And that's important because when you're anytime you deal with a buyer you need to understand what their exit is because that's going to determine the strategy and their approach to the investment are they coming in all cash is it a syndication agreement are they leveraging something else is it a 1031 exchange are they getting a loan you know there's all these different factors that are going to play in to what their exit strategy is going to be and if their exit is going to incorporate taking that equity position, then the sales price that, that you're gonna do at the wholesale cost versus what they're gonna sell in the retail market, that difference is gonna give them a, a big chunk of change when, on their exit. Now, when determining the cap rate, you always use the sale price because it is what they actually paid to get that property. And whatever the net operating income uh, is coming in, You're going to use the actual sale price of what they purchased it at or what they're going to purchase at to determine the cap rate, not the retail uh, comparable sales price, unless they bought it at full retail. Now, going into the final segment of this episode, uh, let's talk about the things that you guys look for, uh, Hernando and Alex, when you when you uh, evaluate an apartment deal what would you uh, look for in terms of determining a good deal versus one that you would pass? Um, and whether it's like number of units, the, how old the property is, where it's located, its condition, um, just give us a little bit of insight on the types of deals you look for. You know, In case someone in our audience is listening and they may have a deal like that, and they, they can network with us and maybe make something ha- come together. So let's start with Hernando this time. What, what kind of things do you look for in, a, in an apartment deal?
1: Uh, well, let's see, I mean, we, we're open to looking at any property. So if, if, if all the listeners out there, if you're talking to a seller and they have a, a multi-family apartment building, uh, yeah, send us the information, let us evaluate it. When I do my research on a property, okay, I want to know what the situation is first. Is this like a seller that's going into default with the bank, with, with a mortgage? Is it a property that has deferred maintenance? Is it a property that's rented out, you know, and it's performing? Uh, so that gives me an idea what kind of situation I'm walking into. Every every situation is different. But uh, getting back to the cap rate, it it really comes down to what the, what what the performance is, and the location is important. Access. To it, how motivated the seller is or not. Uh, you, you brought up some interesting stuff earlier about you know going into a uh, joint venture or is it a syndication? Uh, a lot of times, owners will finance the, the deal for you, which could be attractive, right? And you got to be careful, because uh, mm-hmm. you know as a wholesaler you get paid, and if there's no actual sale transaction with cash, and it's a owner financing, you got to make sure there's enough uh, meat on the bones where you can actually get paid right <laughs> because a lot of times when it's the owner financing they actually actually a down payment but well, that leaves you out in the cold because there's no money there for you as a wholesaler to to get paid the fee so be careful with that uh, and just backtracking a little bit in terms of researching it online in terms of uh, comps and retail value remember as a wholesaler you don't really have, a lot of the guys don't have access to MLS right now be careful with your MLS because Honestly, truthfully, a lot of these multifamily homes are not sold through MLS or your local retail MLS. They're sold through commercial brokers, we're talking Coa Banker RE, CBRE, and all all these other major, major industrial commercial brokers. And if you want to get an insight of what type of platform they use, I recommend you go to loopnet.com and costar.com, there you get an idea. Uh, what's out there right now, currently for sale, and start reading them uh, the way they're advertised, and start learning the lingo. It's a totally different lingo from, from retail uh, single-family homes. So you got to start learning the, the the formulas, start learning the lingo, um, and reach out to Hilco uh, Homes for any uh, any advice or any recommendations of what we could do.
0: All right, and Alex, what what would you say you look for in determining whether you want to move forward with the An apartment deal or not?
1: I
2: personally, I keep it simple. Uh, The cap rate has to be there. Has to be ideal for my my end buyers. Uh, The units have to, uh, you know, exceed. Uh, my criteria which I always do my best to look for 10 units minimum and up the the asking price has to be there as well I mean, I, I keep it as simple as possible I, I look at the cap rate. I look at the asking price. I look at the rehab. I look at the um, You know if uh, if there is a mortgage how, how much do they owe? And are, how far behind are they on the payments that I'll need to pay? Uh, you know at the table to Catch up uh, to reinstate the the loan and ke- and start paying on that. You know I, I look for you know just basic things like that myself. Um, if it makes money, makes sense, I'm with it.
0: Cool. Do either of you have a uh, a story or a apartment deal that uh, that comes to mind that you want to share with the audience? All
1: right. So yeah, I have a story. We in a uh, multifamily. Uh, it was a five unit. It was really it had a lot of deferred maintenance and. Um, the tenants were, you know, paying very little, like four or five hundred dollars a month, if that. A lot of the t- a lot of times they would be paying late. So keep in mind, you're gonna be dealing with a lot of tenants if you're finding in a certain neighborhoods that is working class. I'm not saying it nicely. You're dealing with a lot of tenants that you know don't really have their shit together. Uh, so you have to have a, you have a lot, gotta have, have, have a lot of patience. Also, you'll be dealing with a lot of Section 8. Here we call it a Saha, which some investors love, some investors hate depends on what your comfort zone is. But getting back to this five unit, it was uh, had a decent rent roll, but it definitely could reposition it to get a higher rent roll. Um, the seller was asking $125,000, 130000 for it. You know, we came in, we did the numbers, and uh, we were, we felt comfortable around in the 90s. But at the end of the day, we wind up selling it to uh, one of our investors for in the low 100s, so everybody walked away happy. Uh, also, I wanted to mention real quickly uh, when buying
2: family homes. I actually want to, um, you know, throw this out there. You know, that for that five-unit that we're speaking about, there was uh, a lady who just wants to. Who she's, she's like, look, my brother is sick. Um, I just, we just want to be done with this property. We're just, we're ready to let it go. Uh, we prefer to use the money for health care, for you know, health care and. You know for themselves and you know to upkeep their medical bills and you know we were able to provide for them you know so so make sure you understand why a seller is selling a property uh, to determine and to help you know it's it's just beneficial for you
0: all right well that's it for today's episode and like i mentioned earlier uh, thank you for listening Um, if you have any questions comments if you want to hear a certain topic uh, go to our facebook page Uh, send us a message we want to hear from you we want to know what you like or you don't like about the the podcast and uh, you know we're gonna be putting out uh, a a new episode every week and being as consistent as possible hoping to give you guys some great value and uh, again just uh, thanks for for listening to the podcast and uh, if there's anything that we can help you with don't hesitate to reach out and let us know